From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today we are digging into the Ginger Snaps franchise, more specifically the unmade Ginger Snaps TV series, um, and we want to find out What's going on with that shit? So today we're joined by, once again, by guest and longtime pod companion, Sheree Bohannon. Sheree, how's it going? It's going great. <laughs> I am a Dread Central news writer. I am a podcaster of many podcasts, but I'm here to preach to you about A Nightmare on Fear Street and Blurdy Massacre. Those are my flagship babies. I am also a rambler, and so I have mm. to edit myself, or we'll just be here all night with me doing a monologue. Don't worry, I'll edit you tomorrow. Um, Sheree, I feel like you've been on this podcast maybe in the double digits at this point. Yes. I want to play a game of can we list all the episodes that you've been on? 
we failed this the last time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how to even get the list up. So like, I can't even like check our work, but. You have to just like Google me and development hell. No, I'm not going to do that. Can we try it? Okay. Okay. See how many you can get and I'll fill in the gaps. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Chucky definitely went to space with us. Yeah. Um, We definitely did my imaginary daddy's um monster show oh yeah 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 mockingbird lane yeah yeah um the first time was buffy which is when we knew right 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 right. we also did s darko (laughs) okay we did the future of johnny darko yes we did s darko oh my god (laughs) that's what the receipt said uh-huh we we've done so much together over the years wait, wait. I... well we did silent hill we did return to silent hill we did oh yeah we did that was good yeah um, and we came up with the title and now that's actually the title of the new movie i'm so obsessed with that for us we should venmo them to pay us <laughs> they should venmo us you oh can wait you money. can venmo someone to requesting i don't see, we don't do that we don't do venmo in canada oh do you zale no we don't have that what what we have which i think is better is all of our banks have individual like banking apps so mm-hmm. you can just send your money to your friend and be like send it to their email <gasps> so it's a little it's it's better yeah. what we don't have cash app as supported by rupaul's drag race no so y'all just out there being little like stockbrokers yeah yeah like, yeah and it, your stock it. app is connected to it so oh my god i gotta don't, go to canada yeah, yeah canada's fun 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 and you can upload your 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 checks too in the app so you can go to like can you do that? We're like upload yeah. checks. You take a picture of your check. Oh fuck. Okay. Well. I can do deposits because I'm I'm a set what bank I'm on. I don't know your listeners, but like the banking app that I use. <laughs> don't say it. Um, it lets me deposit checks, which when I get paper checks, because I still sometimes sell a script for theater. Um, wow. Um, it's like here's a paper check, wonk wonk. But then it's like it'll be there tomorrow. Thank you. Well, today's references is a uh, Vice Media <laughs> deadline. And The Guardian. I thought cutting you off would be funny, but it just kind of came across as rude. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about all things Ginger Snaps. We're going to talk about all three films with the focus on the first one. And then we're going to dig into what's going on with the future of this franchise. And Sheree, would it be okay if I give a bit of a seminar on the first Ginger Snaps film? Yes, please. I'll take notes this time. Mm-hmm. Good. Ginger Snaps came out in the year 2000. It is a Canadian werewolf horror film. So that's exciting for me as a personal Canadian werewolf horror film myself. It was directed by John Fawcett and written by Karen Walton from a story that they came up with together, I think all the way back in 1995. Uh, The cast for the film includes the iconic Emily Perkins, who you might remember from the original It miniseries as well as Catherine Isabel, who is in tons of great horror stuff, including Freddy vs. Jason and other stuff, too. Bones. Bones? She's on Bones? She's in Bones, the movie, not the show. She's in Bones, the movie, oh. Yeah, yeah. That makes, that makes less sense than the show for some reason to me. She's the girl in the skull t-shirt. It makes all the sense. Oh, wow. Um, so this movie also features the performance of Mimi Rogers, who's cute, and there's a bunch of other people in it. Do you think I could, like, I didn't write down the plot. I just wrote plot. I don't know if you can see that here on the outline. So, <laughs> do you think that. I could? <laughs> do you think I can do it? Do you think, do do you think I can? I'll time you. <laughs> okay. Don't time me. Just make sure I'm not lying. Okay. All right. So, Ginger Snaps is a werewolf, but it's also a teen movie about two sisters, Bridget 
and Ginger Fitzgerald. And these two girls live in the Canadian suburbs and they are very morbid and fascinated with death and are really bored with their suburban existence with their like very perky parents that are nothing like them. And they have this like kind of artistic morbid fascination with the macabre and with death and with, you know, gore. And they take all of these um, at home sort of art projects, photographs of themselves in all sorts of dead poses that they bring to school and nobody seems very impressed with it. And they're also coming of age. So one of them is 15, one of them is 16, and neither has gotten their period yet. And one night when they're sort of in the park near their house, uh, older sister Ginger gets her very first period. And not long after that, she is attacked by a werewolf, uh, taken into the woods. She escapes. um, And slowly but surely, she starts to turn into a werewolf herself. And there's, you know, allusions to puberty and sexuality and all sorts of fun stuff. How did I do? I mean, it sounds like the movie I've seen, yeah. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> did I miss anything? Is there anything, uh, like, else that stood out to you in terms of, like, what happened in this movie? I mean, it definitely comes down to the sisters and their relationship and how that takes a turn once one mm-hmm. of them becomes a werewolf. But we'll get there. We, can, We're gonna we don't get need there. all of that in the plot. We can, like, save some of it for later. I agree. Something that's really interesting about this movie is that, you know, with all of the werewolf movies that we have, basically all of them are sort of about the metamorphosis of male puberty. Uh, And this is the first time that I have seen it in the reverse, where it's about the female puberty experience and more specifically the period. Um, I I felt like the portrayal of period blood in this film was like kind of radical and cool. Like, I don't think you see that very often. It was definitely game changing because, again, this came out in 2000. So I was a fetus <laughs> and I was like, oh, would we get to have periods on TV now? What? Yeah. It's a new world. Uh, <laughs> and like, it's still revolutionary, but it's also, I think that had this show gotten to be made today, we could have different conversations about nuance and things like that because it, it does feel very, it feels very dated. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah, definitely. Although, still very cool that it's um, flipping the script, and not just with the portrayal of puberty, but also with sexuality, sexual aggression. And there's even like um, a flip of the script when it comes to sexual abuse and rape. Like, Ginger is the one that's becoming the abuser or the attacker in her situation. There's like a really interesting scene where she's hooking up with a guy in a car and he's like, whoa, you're going too fast. Like, who's the guy here? And she's like, uh, that's what are you talking about? And it gets kind of out of pocket. Yeah. How do you feel it handled sex? I, I that instance in the car, I, I can never figure out how to feel about it because mm. had she not been turned into the werewolf, it would have been completely the opposite. He would have been pressuring her and having sex. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason he's afraid is because she is into it. And we know men don't believe women enjoy sex because they can't please their partners. Um, and so <laughs> it's it's a weird moment. But I think that I think the sexual politics of this movie is definitely one of the things that makes it exciting to talk about because mm-hmm. it's it's not what we were getting that time. We were getting still the very generic, this is the good girl virgin. This is the girl that's not the virgin. This is the man. He's going to mm-hmm. try and assault one. And when we kill him, you're supposed to feel bad because he's a man. And you don't feel bad because he deserved nope. it. What? But, <laughs> I'm but at the same time, it, it, it kind of is consensual, I think. Or they're kind of unclear about it. 
the next day he like doesn't seem upset about it. It just seems yeah. like he was excited that he had rough sex with you know the mysterious girl. Was that and, your read? Yeah, because like again, it I think it also goes back to him being sort of like put off because he's at that age where he's watching a lot of porn and a lot of porn is geared towards women don't want it, but you're going to give it to her anyways. Mm -hmm. I've watched so many documentaries about it because I write plays or I used to write plays. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Hot Girls Want It was definitely just like, here are all these girls who thought there was a modeling gig, but also it's this instead. And the directors are just like scummy and skeezy and they're just like, this has got to be not rape rape because that's what the men want. And the fact that we keep feeding that engine is disgusting in itself. (laughs) I feel Mm -hmm. like there are other ways of making adult films to where it's not always about no consent. Good luck. Do you feel like the reversal that they did where the woman was the aggressor was done like tactfully or interesting? Or do you think it was a bit of an issue? I think at the time it was very interesting because again, we don't get to see it. Like this came out in 2000, Buffy had been on for four years and you Mm -hmm. still had like random assholes being like, women can't do those things I see in the commercials, so I can't watch it. It's (laughs) called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, honey. There are vampires. It's a whole new world, Bob. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But like, I think again, because this is like 23 years ago, I think a lot of the things that were cool about it then are definitely conversation starters now because like, I don't even know how how to feel about sexual assault in movies um, mm-hmm. because we get so fucking much of it. Yeah, we do. And I think it's getting a little bit better now. It's getting a little bit more thoughtful. But, you know, in the 2000s, it was basically just there as kind of like titillation, I guess. And definitely that was an issue with Ginger Snaps 2, but we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Something I want to bring up as um, a Canadian diva is this movie... <laughs> it just looks it just reeks of southern ontario gothic like it's like what you experience in toronto when you're like growing up in the early 2000s it's so unique and i forget about like how imprinted i am it starts off with this like overshot of um like outside of toronto and like all of the suburbs there and you see it and around like around autumn where all the leaves are changing colors there's just such a canadian mood in this that is just so distinctive to what i had growing up would it like how did it look compared to what you grew up with not gonna lie to you when i was a kid i didn't know it was canada because everything is made in canada so everybody says vows the same way everything looks the same way like so many of our shows and movies are just like this is in kansas but it's not wink wink and so Mm -hmm. i i did not know they were not supposed to be a normal american suburb until i was an adult and i was like oh well that's cool (laughs) yeah these movies are like explicitly take place in canada which is very rare right so true story as a kid i saw this one a few times i don't think i saw the second one until i was an adult Uh uh-huh um, I know I saw the third one a little bit as a child, but I did not like it. And so, uh, but it's grown on me because um, uh-huh. I've watched it like two or three times the last three years. And I'm like, it's not as bad as I thought Wait it was. Wait a second. You saw Ginger Snaps three, two or three times in the last couple of years? Yeah, because podcasts. Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. podcasts and Werewolf Summer. Because we watched yes. a lot of my Werewolf movies when I was talking those this year. Well, actually, I want to ask you a little bit about that. So, yes, you infamously did have Werewolf Summer this year. Can you tell us what that was for you? Because Summer just feels like a werewolf vibe to me. (laughs) 
Yep. I I hit the ground running and I watched every werewolf movie I could find streaming, even the bad ones, Lindsay Lohan, um, <laughs> that I could find streaming in wow. June and July. And I think I cleared like 40. Let me check my list. Hold, please. Oh, I'm fascinated to hear about, you know, what stood out. And as you're looking for that list and I vamp, I'm also really curious how this movie um, stacked up against all of them. Because I would bet to say it's one of the best ones. Okay. Oh, no. Okay, I'm sorry. No, wow. She was definitely towards the top yeah. 10, 15. What? Um, oh. She was. She was. Because that's I, very low. I saw some things this summer. <laughs> what? It says 27. That's, I needed to update this some more. Fuck me. But I, mm. I definitely saw more than this. Um, yeah, no, I would say she's probably in the top. I would say top eight, Ginger Snaps herself. Her okay. sequels, different places. That's fair. I have a definite a soft spot for number two, which, you know, I keep trying to get to early, but we will get there eventually. Uh, what was your favorite werewolf that. movie? One or two? Oh, okay. So, I mean, obviously, I love Werewolves Within. Um, she's funny. She's amazing. Right, of course. Ensemble cast. Um, I also really, really, really wanted to like Slice, but I didn't. That's a werewolf movie. Okay. Yeah. Like it it looked like it had potential because it had like Zazzy Beats. It had Chance the Rapper. I was like, it could go anywhere. It could go anywhere. Joe Keery was there. Oh, weird. Right? But it just didn't work out. Um, Um, Okay. So we've got Werewolves Within. I'm curious, like, what else beat Ginger Snaps, you monster? An American Werewolf in Paris. No. American the- Werewolf in Paris beat sorry, Ginger Snaps. Sorry, London, London. Oh, you really fucked with me for a second there. No, I would never. That's not even funny. That's one of the ones I didn't make it on this list, but I rewatched that bitch. I need to put her on the list because I, I do love deserve. Julie Delpy though. Who not stars that on that? Yeah, I don't. I. <laughs> it's so bad. I also saw Dog Soldiers for the first time. It is uh, good. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's not- good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's not great, but like when you look at werewolf movies overall, like she's solid. She's solid, but she's no Ginger Snaps. Sorry. You know what? I'm sorry, honey, bunny. I also discovered The Beast Must Die, which is from the 70s, and it's a wild movie. It's so fucking wild. Okay, that sounds hot. That yes, sounds hot. it's usually on Tubi because black leads. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you there you go. Check her out. Yeah, I'm not a big werewolf movie person, which could be why this ranks so high for me. Like, off the top of my head, I can't even think of anything else that I cursed? really... <laughs> like... I'm grateful for Cursed, I guess, but it's not very good. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely Uncle West just having fun in that era, but like still, it's... I think it's, we got fucked with that movie. Like, I think there's a better version of it floating around in the ether than what we actually have. I mean, a lot of his stuff later in life had to like keep changing scripts and shit because people were like leaky things to the internet. And <sighs> that's a whole other rant. I'm not even gonna get into that because Curses, I'm just sad. Curse is cursed. Cursed is cursed. I, I want to talk about Emily Perkins for a little bit, if you're comfortable and happy with that. Because, honestly, I forgot that I had a bit of an adolescent obsession with her. And by that, I just mean I was, like, into her. I'm not usually one that's, like, kind of into c- celebrities. But I definitely had, like, a bit of a Emily Perkins fandom back then. How do you feel about her? I... I feel like I've seen her in something outside of Ginger Snaps, but I never remember what. Okay, it, it, the miniseries. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> because she always looks familiar. But I, I know Catherine Isabel because Catherine Isabel's resume is forever. Yeah, definitely, and she's always good. Honestly, always. this cast was great. 
the cast in this film, the, they have such good chemistry. They really play with like camp and gothic horror in like a fun way. Like it's not taking itself too seriously, but it's also taking itself seriously enough. And I just really loved watching them. Like there's like a goth girl suburbs energy that is just really fun. Same. And I think that's part of my issue with the second one is that we get so little time with Ginger that we lose the sisterhood. Oh, the Ginger, it's, meant to it's, be. it's embarrassing that she's in the second one, but we'll get to that. That whole movie. People like it, and I... I like here. it, I like it. We're going to get there. We're so close. We're so <laughs> close. We're so, I, obviously, we're both desperate to talk about it. Um, Yeah, so I love Emily Perkins. She's so cool. She's great in this. I love that she does get her own movie with the sequel because this is obviously more of ginger's film and i celebrate that what i don't celebrate are the wigs or the prosthetics or the effects but that's canada and you have to respect us anyway the wigs were so bad like when we meet bridget she is fighting the wind and her wig (laughs) to even get her scene across so bad the fact that we take her like the fact that i can enjoy her in that role so much even with the constant distraction of that like terrible wig i think is incredible as a child i knew something was wrong with her hair but i didn't know what <laughs> i did too i did too. as a child i was like this is a wig this is a bad wig what's wrong with her hair i don't understand <laughs> it doesn't move there's no there's no front it's not a hard front it's not a it's not a it's not a lace front it's there's nothing and it looks so heavy i think it's why her <laughs> neck is always bent <laughs> yeah she's got a really bad wig and also like uh yeah the <laughs> the ginger monster effects <laughs> don't hold up so good and i even remember as a kid being like no but it's okay because the story is so solid and they're really selling it and everyone's really committed so i don't really care it's still iconic in my books same, but I also want to know where the money went because it wasn't to the wigs. And so I'm just like, did Mimi much. cost that much? No, I think this movie was fairly inexpensive. Um, it, although it, it was distributed by Lionsgate Films and it definitely hit theaters, at least in Canada. Um, and the second one was also Lionsgate. It says before Lionsgate was Lionsgate because Saw came out, I think, 2004? Uh, 2003-ish, because it's been 20 years almost. So Saw Lion. Was Saw even Lionsgate? People are going to... Like, I literally just did those. It's Lionsgate. I literally did yeah. those, and I can't remember, but I, it was like 21 or 20... No, 22, 23. Pretty sure the first Saw movie came out in 2004. Do you want to take a bet? I'm thinking 2003, 2002. I really... All right. Those. So pick one. I'm going to say 2003? Okay, well, it came out in 2004. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Um, which is the same year as Ginger Snaps 2. So it's just when the studio was really getting its footing, I think. And uh, it was pretty indie vibes. It it does give Mayor TV movie um, a little bit because no, of the prosthetics it gives, it and wigs. pure Canadian theatrical wide release. I mean, <laughs> if that's what y'all are doing, I'm, I'm not here to knock it. Like <laughs> We didn't have Amazon drag, okay? It was a long time ago. We didn't have that. Uh, it's a Halloween movie. I kind of forget that every time. And it's a good one. There's like spooky school dances and leaves falling from trees and vibes. I think it's like a pretty good Halloween movie and it should be remembered as such. 
Yeah, because we don't have any other Halloween werewolf movies about teenage girls. Like, it's no. a very specific niche <laughs> that we do not have covered. You know who I thought, like, kind of looked like Bridget, but, like, yassified was Anna Paquin in Trick or Treat. I still haven't seen Trick or Treat. That's my hidden shame. What? It's never streaming when I want to watch it. And when I do want to watch it, it is streaming. <laughs> you have to watch Trick or Treat. It's like, so you got to watch it. Watch One of my it. other Joshes told me that it's his favorite anthology. And I feel like I'm failing. <laughs> you have another Josh? I have like five. It's fine. You have another Sheree if you could find her. I thought maybe we could talk just like for a quick second about the whiteness in this. Because what yes. made me think of that is that there's, it's all explicitly white characters because it's the year 2000, I guess. Except for one person and their portrayal was kind of weird. There is, I don't know what his background is, but there's an Asian janitor at the school mm-hmm. who's sort of portrayed as maybe like a pervert who gets pulverized in a way that some none of the other characters do. That kind of like i don't know it was of note i would say it it really upset me especially because we don't know if he's a pervert or if he's just like so used to nobody talking to him that he comes across as weird while trying to be helpful well and so so we're made to feel like he's probably a pervert because again men (laughs) well yeah and then like we just like let's kill him and i'm like you can't kill your one person of color because again yeah you 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 have an all-white movie here which we keep getting those i wish that i could say they stopped at a certain year or era but like i i reviewed one last year it was set in south africa and it was all white people no and i was like you can find one black person in south africa not one what's the word i'm looking for shenanigans <laughs> yeah so karen walton wrote this movie pretty cool that it's written by a woman i am lucky that everyone knows each other in canada and i've had the opportunity to meet her and talk to her and she's very very cool and she had some interesting insight to how she approached this film when she spoke with vice do you want to do me a favor and and do your best karen walton impression i don't know what she sounds like so yeah let's yeah, try yeah. it go for it A lot of werewolf movies seemed very much the same. (laughs) How do you know she's white? (laughs) Just took a guess. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite was, of course, an American werewolf in London, because it was at least a little punk about it, but it was still two white dudes grappling with the beast inside of them. I love stories that work on a lot of different levels for a whole bunch of different kinds of people. That it turned out to be okay in the marketplace as just one girl's voice. And a director who really wanted to support that is remarkable, I think, for the day. Yeah, I mean, it's a long way to say that, like, it's not about a guy. Listen, Um, I'm tired of movies about men. Cancel those. They're so boring. (laughs) Dracula on a Boat was so boring. People keep saying it's good, and I knew it wasn't because people kept saying it was good. (laughs) I didn't like it, but some people seem to. If Twitter loves it, I'm going to hate it. That's what I've realized. Well, Guillermo del Toro and Stephen King loved it, and I think... That's when you turned on it. And that's okay. My dads, my gay dads, you have no respect for. Fair. Well, Del just retweeted me. So I like, well, he retweeted my article, not me. He doesn't yeah. know I exist. He knows my work <laughs> does, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But it was beautiful. That was a big moment for, for, for Canada, I will say. <laughs> I didn't get a Tim Hortons. So like... <laughs> So funny, I was just talking about that and how every Canadian hates Tim Hortons and every American kind of hates on Dunkin' Donuts, but we both want to try the other one's cheapo coffee. Oh, yeah. When I like visit, I'm... we're meeting up at a Tim Hortons. I'm sorry Ugh. to you. 
Oh. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. And I'm desperate. I'm desperate to get some like iced coffee from from Dunkin' Donuts. I, we have better chains. Like if you can get to a Krispy Kreme, those are better. We have that. Oh, I need to come. To, I need to come. To Not Canada. very many. And they seem to just be about donuts here. Like I mean, they are donuts and coffees and milks, but like. I because I'm in Minnesota, we don't have one near me in Minneapolis, so I won't get another Krispy Kreme until I go back to London. I'm so sorry. It's not fair. Any final thoughts on the first Ginger Snaps film? I think she is the best of the three, well. and I kind of wish that they stopped after that because, no. again, franchises, diminishing returns, and when you keep going back to the story, it kind of... It kind of exploits it in a way that makes it stand out for wrong reasons in my book. But again, she's a good movie. And if you forget the other two, like I do often, it's a great time. Well, in my book, the second direct-to-video sequel always deserves a place in the zeitgeist. And that's what we're getting at with Ginger Snaps 2 Unleashed. Okay, I lied, actually. This had a a failed theatrical run in Canada. uh, And did... I think it went direct to video in the States. So this is a 2004 Canadian film written by Megan Martin and directed by Brett Sullivan. Once again, it just says plot. How Do you, do you feel comfortable enough to take this one? I feel like you shouldn't, but... I should not. I okay. should not. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to lead to hurt feelings. <laughs> okay. I think I did good the first time, honestly, so I'm going to try this one again. You did. Okay. So it picks up a few years after the first film is, yes, infected with the werewolf disease, but she's keeping it at bay by uh, sort of shooting herself up with, I forget what it's called, it's kind of like a wolfsbane adjacent drug. And it's not going well, and she meets a cute librarian, and he gets murdered by a werewolf, and she wakes up, and she's in sort of a drug use clinic, and she's locked in, and they think that she's an addict, and they want to get to the bottom of what's wrong with her. Yes, she is an addict to this stuff, but it's so that she doesn't become a violent werewolf and kill everybody. So she does what she needs to do to sort of get out. She meets this young girl named Ghost, who is sort of is her accomplice in escaping. Ghost is played by Tatiana Maslany mm-hmm. from what's it called? Orphan Black. Orphan Black. And don't forget about um, She-Hulk. <laughs> oh, I didn't watch that. No I'm sure she did. was amazing, though. I will say she's really good in this. Like, I think that she's a standout character in this as, like, um, an eccentric, like, pr- like preteen girl that, she, you know, has some strong, tricks up her sleeve. She's a strong actor, even as a child. It yes. just... It, the reason it didn't sit well is because we've already seen our sisterhood and it's still called Ginger Snaps. <laughs> so we it's wanted more Ginger. Snaps. We yeah, didn't want called... a new little sister type character to do yeah. the sisterhood bond with. We didn't we didn't want that. Well, Ginger's dead, but does manage to make a few appearances as like, I don't know, a part of Bridget's imagination or maybe a psychic connection. It's kind of hard to know. But it's embarrassing whenever she shows up. It's not great. It's so embarrassing. And I wanted more for everybody involved, including myself. I like this movie. I revisited it again. And I don't know. There's just something very charming and Canadian and direct-to-video about it. And I also just like, as I said, I am an Emily Perkins fan. And this is her movie. And I think she does a really good job in it. 
I, which could be argued, but I think so. She does. She does. Yeah. The hair is better, which I appreciate. Her hair's great, actually. Yeah. In this one. Like, I was like, your sister died and you got your hair together? I mean, get yeah, it. Yeah, she had a few years. She had a few years to do it. Uh, the themes in this one are a little bit different than the sort of metamorphosis themes of the first film. There's more of a sort of a peek at self-harm. There's a lot of queer codedness, which is fascinating. And I think the biggest one is the allusions to drug addiction. I think actually the two are drug addiction and like lesbianism and queerness. And definitely uh, did, the self-harm. Def, cause like, and definitely self-harm, yeah. When um, this came out in 2004, I don't think we were having those conversations about content warnings yet. And so no. when I talk about this movie, I have to be like, also, there's all these things, folks. Uh, now. And yeah, there's that's a just, lot. So it's it's like, wild because it's less than 20 years. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like her scars on her arms. And I think she may be self-harming or maybe it is just her constantly needing to put needles in to stick herself from not being a werewolf. I'm not totally sure. It's almost like she's bloodletting, like people used to do with the leeches back oh, in the day. Oh, cool. Yeah. Though she is bloodletting because she takes out a book at the beginning called Bloodletting. Look so, at me. There you go. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> hilarious. Oh, yeah. And then so she does. There's this like classic group therapy scene, which oh. you know what? It's, it's always stupid, but it's always fun thinking about, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, etc. And they finally get to Bridget and they're like, Bridget, what's like going on with you? And she just like shits on everyone and is like so rude. And the doctor just like is like, okay. And writes down lesbian question mark. Just so funny and probably homophobic. But honestly, I support it because it's funny. Every time I laugh, I feel bad. So I was like, I don't know if that's something I should be laughing at. But also, here we are. (laughs) Uh, Do you remember the like most explicit queer moment in this because i kind of want to talk about yes. the group masturbation scene do you remember it yes <laughs> tell us about it so they're all on their yoga mats not doing yoga because that's what you do in an asylum in canada i guess mm-hmm. and bridget sort of dozes off but like instead <laughs> of her just being like oh i'm out of it i'm asleep she's having a waking dream where <laughs> teacher mm-hmm. Mm-hmm person is instructing them all to like masturbate and how to touch themselves and all the girls are going at it and she's like yeah and then she wakes up horrified <laughs> yeah yeah and she takes her hand out of her vagina and it's like her wolf arm and it's like kind of i'm not totally sure what it's saying with it but i'm not against it there's <laughs> an exploitative nature that i'm that doesn't make me mad you know it's part of what i don't hate about the genre this paired with the first movie does make you wonder about her sexuality because it seemed like her and her sister had some sort of a weird incest thing a brewing. No, it, maybe it does come across that way a little bit in the first movie. It does, um, and it know. doesn't help things when Ginger gets turned and it gets possessive, <laughs> and so you're just like, "Am I watching sibling lesbians?" Because I don't think we need to do both of those. I things. don't think so. I disagree with you. I think like. It was just going for a bit of like an edgelord vibe, but I don't know if I feel that way. Definitely closer than close. And I. <laughs> My God. They, no, it was so beautiful. The whole thing was like, like beautiful platonic sisterly love and the tragedy of it being sort of plucked away. I have a sister and it's a different relationship. <laughs> 
I'm just gonna. And again, I don't know if that was intentional oh. or if that was just them having a chemistry and the things being read a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I always wonder because every time I rewatch, I'm like, wait, did they? And it's like they didn't. Okay. But then here we go again, and she and is carrying on her sister's memory. <laughs> She um, sure, and she masturbate sure in public and i'm just like we need to stop and unpack some of this i think we just have to yes uh and the sexuality in this film definitely continues to take a bit more of like a darker turn and there's more i think direct allusions to sexual misconduct sexual assault oh, rape yeah. when um we learned that one of the nurses male nurses is providing the young women with the drugs that they're trying to be detoxed from like in exchange for sexual favors um and i think there's also some sort of hint that maybe he is inappropriate with the child character Mm. ghost although it's a trick so maybe not but it's it's just kind of it's kind of dark i i was I'm not going to lie. When Ghost lied about him being inappropriate with her, I was like, but he's an assaulter and a rapist. So he's already a bad dude. You don't have to do this extra step of, and now we have somebody lying. But that's why she knew she would be believed. I think she could have chosen anything else because I just, I I know that Ghost is Ghost. And so she's a wild ass character, but I just don't like when we insert, let's lie about assault in a Mm -hmm. movie because so many people accuse actual survivors of lying every fucking day. That it just, it, it grates me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. I don't know. Lie yeah. about it. Yeah. It's a little klutzy. It's a little clumsy how this movie handles sex abuse. But I am not like, I don't know. I'm not a stickler for like political correct sort of usage of sex in movies. Like if you are going to be exploitative just to be horny, like, okay. Like uh, there's a line in the sand and I'll decide when that is. In this movie, I was like, okay with like. I knew what it was, um, but it certainly is clumsy with how it handled it. Which is of its era, because a lot of other movies that came out the same year were also clumsy with their sexuality. Um, at the end of the day, I really, ugh, I think it's got to be mostly due to nostalgia, but I like this movie. I think this movie's, it's a little different from what we were getting at the time. The performances are strong. It's really, really dark. Um, and it's just a character that I really like hanging out with, uh, with Bridget. I, as a kid, I clocked that it was made for direct to video. It just had that vibe, even though, again, we saw these really late. Yeah. And I, I can now own that it's one of the better direct to video movies I've seen. Yeah, definitely. But it's still a direct to video movie, and um, it just inherently has that energy and lack of energy sometimes. Wow. I mean, it as I said many many times, this did have a Canadian theatrical release, which flopped. Um, And that does lead me into the third and final film in this franchise. Uh, Ginger Snaps 2 Unleashed was filmed back-to-back with Ginger Snaps 3, The Beginning, a.k.a. Ginger Snaps Back, The Beginning, a.k.a. Ginger Snaps Back. There's a lot of titles for this When the whole circle now. What do you remember it being called? I always called it Ginger Snaps Back, but because I never see that anywhere, I thought I made it up. Until you go to the Wikipedia and you're like, oh no, that is I bought it on DVD and I'm almost positive my DVD said Ginger Snaps 3, the beginning. I love that you would buy it on DVD. That stands for you and I'm impressed I didn't assume you already had it. Oh, I definitely did. I mean, I bought it on DVD in 2005, but I... And you will uh, again. 
I stand by it. I wrote a segment. I wrote. I did an article for CBC last year, and I talked about Ginger Snaps three, and I think that's really beautiful. It, it's very Josh coded. <laughs> Thank you. I met the director at a like an industry party once. We were, I forget we were talking, and I was like. I just found out it was he was the director of this, and I like kind of lost my mind. Did you get an autograph? <laughs> he definitely left the conversation as fast as he could. I he mean, like, you're probably again. one of the few people who brings it up as a happy memory. So I love that movie. Well, maybe it's... I don't. So Ginger Snaps Three came out uh, also in 2004, and it's the last Ginger Snaps film. But it takes a bit of a detour in terms of what it's about. It takes place in the 19th century up in Canada where ancestors of the Fitzgerald sisters are hanging out in a snowy, snowy woods, but they're identical to Ginger and Bridget. And they have some adventures, I think, at like a fur trapping place. And it's weird and kind of boring. It premiered at the Fantasia Film Festival, though, which is kind of cool. I, <laughs> I, I think that this movie, again, it's grown on me, so I don't hate it the way I used to, but I still don't like it. Um, I I wish that it had left the things alone because it's like it was foretold that this is the way it's going to end for the sisters. And it's like, that's cool. But like, how many siblings have these sisters had in previous generations to keep the family line going? <laughs> I feel like it, I think it was them. Like, I don't think it was truly like their ancestors. I think in like a spiritual, psychic way, like this was Bridget and... And Ginger sort of live different lives together over time in like a supernatural way. Okay. So maybe they're just <laughs> family jumping and they're killing all these different bloodlines because okay, again, that's, like, that's not, that's if, not. If you have two sisters in the 19th century and those are the only two left in their family. It's Canada. It's different up here. It's more like annihilation in terms of like our biology. So just, the logistics is what sends me about this movie because they're like, let's undo anything we did and not talk about it. I'm like, but no, I have to. They didn't undo so anything. Like, no. It was the beginning. It's Ginger Snaps back the beginning. I have a funny story about this. So my best friend Jules. <laughs> Emily Conch- Erasure. What? I said, wow, Emily Erasure. Oh yeah, Emily knows. So my best <laughs> friend Jules um somehow managed to contract scarlet fever. Okay. okay when we were in high school in like 2005 i didn't know it was possible so she gets scarlet fever and she's like so sick she's like hallucinating on her couch like half asleep and she's never seen ginger snaps and on tv ginger snaps 3 comes on but it's like takes place in like 19th century canada and she just thought she was hallucinating the whole thing and she told me when she was feeling better it was like I hallucinated that I watched Ginger Snaps, but it was like a period piece. And I was like, you saw Ginger Snaps 3? <laughs> I would be so sad if this was done when I was sick. It would be so sad. <laughs> it happened to me once with High School Musical 2. Oh. I'd never seen any High School Musical movies. And I was really sick on the couch. And I just like remember feverishly seeing a scene that took place on a golf course. And that's all I know. I, I was trying to watch his Dark Materials when I probably... Was Why? given COVID from a roommate in Chicago. Oh no! Uh, and so I don't know what the fuck I saw, but I do know it did not make sense, and that's probably why I can't finish the series because whatever I saw mm. was just too much. What did she see? I don't think we need to talk too much more about Ginger Snaps Three: The Beginning, aka Ginger Snaps Back: The Beginning, aka Ginger Snaps Back. I just <laughs> again, I I want to root for her. 
<laughs> I do. I fully root for her. I fully root for this movie. Good for you. <laughs> she's Gorge and she's Porge and she knows what to do. Um, if we were to give each of these movies star ratings, what would we give them? Oh, let me open up my handy dandy list so I can see what I gave them and be actually honest. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna dig into the litter books. Yeah, I gave the first one three stars. Rude. I mean, come on. No, nope. I gave the second one. I did not get the second one three stars. Something's wrong with that. Yeah, it is a three star movie, so good for you. It should okay. be two and a half. No, um, no, no, no. And I gave this third one two and a half. These okay, are way too high. That's okay. Those are not that rude. It sounds like you really like these movies. Um, this should have been a two star, and the last one was <sighs> two and a half. I might have been drinking. What about you? I, th- I think the first film for me. So I very rarely give things one star or five star, and if I do, it's not because of the quality; it's because of emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a very rare five star for me. The first Ginger Snaps film. Just because it's, like, so close to home in so many ways. I just love it. It's just, like, so my kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I love the first film. It's a five-star for me. The second film, it's tough. Because I used to be so into it. But it's clearly doesn't hold up. So I think the second film is, like, a... It's a three, but I'm going to give a three and a half just because of uh, my insanity. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give the third film a three because the the audacious... Audition of it all. It was audacious. I will give you that. It was very (laughs) audacious. Okay. I don't know if you know, but the sort of the reason that we're here today is to talk about the future of Ginger Snaps, more specifically the Ginger Snaps TV series that was announced back in October of 2020. Would you like to learn a little bit about that? Yes, because it's my dream job. Wow. 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 Well, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Probably not. So. The producer of a show that I think you like, Killing Eve, Mm -hmm. uh, Sid Gentle Films, decided to team up with Copperhead Entertainment and announced that they were going to turn the Ginger Snaps trilogy of films into a TV show that had sort of like a darkly comic teenage sisterhood energy. Um, So you're... You're a Killing Eve fan, or am I making that up? No, I love the first season of Killing Eve. I like the second season, and the third season was decent. And then the fourth season shat on all of it. Um, oh, no, no, not yeah. a shot. It's shat. But again, um, COVID was wrecking mm-hmm. everybody's stuff, and so I think some of that played a part into it on top of that showrunner just being like, I'm over it. <laughs> I mean, obviously one producer does not a vibe make, but like, do you hypothetically see the crossover between the vibes of Killing Eve and a potential... Ginger Snaps show? Yes, yes, yes. If Sid Gentle is in, then I'm in. Because if you were to watch the first season of Killing Eve, mm-hmm. like, to give context, the first season, Phoebe Wallerbridge was the showrunner and, mm-hmm. like, the person leading everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she left, she gave it to Emerald Fennel for season two. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that's why it went downhill immediately. Season two was still good. Just not as good as Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Sorry, but still. I don't like Emerald Fennel. You know what? I don't know what she did to y'all, but like a lot of people she, don't. She hurt me. A lot of people don't um, like Okay, her. so, you, so you, you can see there being a bit of a crossover there. Um, yeah, it's announced to be produced by the director of the first film, John Fawcett. Interestingly enough, he also, as we mentioned, co-created and directed uh, Orphan Black, and I think Mm. would be bringing on some of that creative team onto this as well. What's your experience with Orphan Black? I watched all of it. It's actually the reason I am a stan of Miss 
I always butcher her name because I'm from Missouri, but I believe it's Tatiana Maslani. Yeah. Yay. Um, I, I'm never confident in that because of Missouri. But mm. I, I'm a fan of her work because I saw her play 90 characters on Orphan Black and each of them were distinct and different. And so I'm always excited to see her. And I hope that she would come into this world somehow, even mm-hmm. if not as adult ghost, as someone. I'm very curious if they would bring any of the lore from the second or third film or if they would. I, I mean, it, it's impossible to know at this point, but. I would love it to be completely rewritten. Like you can bring in some of the actors just to be like a little nod, nod, wink, wink as a different character. Mm-hmm. But I think that it it did what it needed to do with the time it came out. And I think that what's needed from it now is different than the needs that were back then, if that makes sense. Well, I think potentially they were thinking the same thing that you were because they were going to bring on a brand new writer to sort of script the series her name being Anna Simuyaba. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. So yeah, they were bringing her on to write this show. And she will talk a little bit about how she was going to approach it later. But for now, I kind of want to give a quote that Fawcett shared with Deadline about, you know, how he envisioned this happening. Mm -hmm. So here's my best John Fawcett. Could it be more socially relevant in this day and age to launch a television series based on Ginger Snaps? For me, this is the ultimate follow-up to Orphan Black. And I know those fans will find new love for iconic Ginger and Bridget Fitzgerald. Our writer is the perfect person to help bring us this edgy girl power horror story to the small screen. I can't wait to take a big bite of this. I guess he is explicit that this is tonally in line with Orphan Black. Is that your interpretation of what he just said? That concerns me a little bit because of why I love Orphan Black. And it did have its moments of like humor as well as the sci-fi and what the fuck of it. Mm. I think that the ginger universe, or at least the universe that I would want to see it sort of be close to staying in, is different. It's definitely darker. The humor is darker. <laughs> um, yeah. Not all of the jokes are going to make everybody happy. And so I think that it's got to be a little bit gritty and dirtier than Orphan Black was. I don't know why him saying girl power in 2020 mm-hmm. puts a bad taste in my mouth, but it does, I it guess. It does, because there's other ways of saying that. And again... It's called feminism? Like, but but, yeah. 20 years ago, we, we were getting away with girl power. We weren't, yeah. because there was nothing. But I think now we need to be having smarter conversations about yeah. um, the disparity when it comes to gender representation. Yeah. Um, especially when you get into the intersectionality that is not in this franchise, which is not at another, all. I mean, not yet. That's for sure. Which is another um, reason why if I were gifted the chance to have anything to do with it, I would be like, how can we get intersections? How can we get like queer brown women or at least queer <laughs> brown people, if not women in this situation? Because I think that, again, we have to we have to own the world we're in and in the world yeah. we're in. It's not all cis white people. It's it's very gender nonconforming. It's very non-binary. It's very people of different intersections that you can begin to imagine Nobody's just one thing anymore. And I think that the sticking to the girl power kind of like negates that and comes across as a little, a little white feminist. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. I'm wondering if you could share this next quote coming from the new writer that they were bringing on board. Sure can. I have long loved Ginger Snaps and its incisive portrayal of the agony, ecstasy, and unbridled rage that comes from being a teenage girl. I'm honored to be reimagining it for a new audience. So that's not a lot of specifics there. So 
I'm reading her reimagining for a new audience to be like, it needs to be updated. We can't do the white nonsense anymore. Because at the end of the day, one of the things I think that is failing this franchise the hardest is the lack of inclusivity. Because mm-hmm. nobody, especially in the early aughts, wanted to know that Black people could make it to the end of the movie or could offer more than stereotypes. And so we have all these movies that we rewatch and we're just like, why was that greenlit? <laughs> Who said this was okay? <laughs> is that actor still with us? Like, I want the full story. And they do give the full stories now because they got time. And speaking of time, lots of time passed since this first announcement. I think it was a full year of cricket, cricket, crickets until we did get a little bit more out of producer John Fawcett when he spoke to British outlet The Guardian. And he gave an update, and this is what he said. He said, I'm making a Ginger Snaps TV show right now. I definitely want to go more back into the story of werewolves And the challenge is in its modernizing the story. The original film was lucky to end with these two amazing leads, Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel, who had such great chemistry. Uh, They were like the teenage Thelma and Louise. And that was in October of 2021. And it's been two years since then, three years since this was announced. And we don't know anything else. How do you feel about this teenage Thelma and Louise quote? That, that again, does not make me feel good about the white feminism allegations. Um, but again... Which you, which you, which you pressed. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> which, again, it, we don't have a lot of things in the zeitgeist that gives, like, black and brown women a duo to go out and, like, kick ass and do the things. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that when you reach for things that are dated, like Thelma and Louise... Um, it also just says that perhaps you need to be a producer in that I'm opening my wallet and I'm assisting you and not in that I'm taking charge of things way. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think another thing that, I don't know, it's a little alleged. I don't have the full info, but that I'm not thrilled with is, so the writer of the first film, Karen Walton, who is like a, a bit of a legend in Canada as a producer and as a writer, Um, runs one of the biggest Facebook groups for creative writers in Canada and in Toronto. And she's sort of like the head haunch. No, that's racist. She's kind of like the leader of the group and is like very involved and um, makes herself available to sort of talk and give feedback. And when this was first announced, everyone was so excited and they added her constantly about it because they just assumed she'd be working on it. And she pretty clearly insinuated that she was not working on it and that she hadn't been approached to do it. And I would be really upset by that because I think what's so strong about that first movie is the script, is the story, is the the voice of those girls. And she, I think she was a lot to do with that, if not completely. She wrote the best movie in the trilogy and she should have definitely been consulted, especially because yeah. she co-created the story and then wrote the script and that's Mm -hmm. just fair but also we know that these contracts are completely out of pocket and so we don't know if she had to sign away her rights to it when she got her check or not Mm -hmm. we don't know we don't know and you know who's to say how it's going to shake out which leads me to conclusion territory uh do we want this is this something never mind just with the context of what we've heard, do we want a TV adaptation of Ginger Snaps? Is that something we need right now? 
I think if it's done for today's audiences with today's conversations in mind, then yes. Mm-hmm. If not, then let it go. We don't need we don't need more. We're gonna have black and brown and queer sidekicks. We're gonna get murdered while the rest of us are living our best lives for five seasons. We just yeah. don't need that anymore. That's all CW does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're right. If they take a unique POV with it and do something different and fresh, then of course I'm excited to get more Ginger Snaps, be it a show, which is not my first preference. I would love I have people hate remakes, but I would love to see a reboot of Ginger Snaps, like a like a well-funded theatrical film to see what they could do. Call it Ginger Snaps again and just do something different. I think that would be really fun. I, I feel like we're so far removed from anybody even thinking about doing a remake of this one because like it, it just happened 20 years ago. We were toddlers, but still there. Toddlers and tiaras. That's a long time ago. There have been things since then that have been redone multiple times and have that worked out for those you know hard to say none (laughs) are coming to mind charade will this tv show happen it's been three years since it was announced it's been two years since anything has actually been said on the subject but we know that hollywood sometimes takes its time so what do you think this one's trickier than the rest of them i've been on here for because Mm In these three years, there has been a pandemic. There has also been, like, two strikes that, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the entertainment industry. Yep. And so I don't know if it's forgotten or if it's just, like, every time it starts to do something, things have to shut down for obvious radical reasons. Um, mm. um, and so I, this one's tricky because I feel like, I feel like it, it, it could and it should, but also... A lot of things have been in their way, and I don't know how determined they were to make it happen. Well, your Hollywood, your success, your diva, look into your psychic heart and tell me, is this show going to happen? Not in the next five years, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not certain either. I think that Ginger Snaps as like a, a franchise or as an IP may still exist down the line. But, like, this iteration of, like, a dramatic series, especially with this originally attached writer, I don't see it happening. But I'd love to be proven wrong. And the curse of Development Hell, the podcast, is whenever we talk about something and decide something, five days later, it gets announced. So I would like that for this. I hope it does. And I hope that Karen gets a seat at the table if she wants one. Because, again, Mm -hmm. we don't know if she just didn't want to be involved. We would don't know. Like, I, I did think it was weird that she wasn't there for the other two movies, which were the lesser well, of the three. I think she was consulted for the second film. I don't know about the third. If she didn't put the words to the paper, that's what went wrong. Yeah, um, <laughs> she didn't. She wasn't the writer. Not the yeah. main one anyway. Yeah, and that's that was the first mistake for the other movies. And so yeah. I just we I think that this world needs her. If we're going to tell this story specifically, if we're going to mm-hmm. do it differently, then maybe she's not the voice for it, but I think that she could also be consulted to help us keep the things we love about that first movie because it was a time when it came out. And I know that it it's not as shiny and new, and I think that some of it is a little bit problematic as anything that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's something there, and it's something worth mining. Well, Sheree, <laughs> where can you be found on the internet if you wanted to be found? You can perceive me at Miss Sheree on Instagram and Twitter um, and some other places probably. But if you find me on Twitter, you can also find my podcast, other things I'm doing. It's the easiest one-stop shop. Um, uh, yeah. 
I love that. Um, well, thank you for joining me for yet another episode of Development Hell. Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.